Hello, everyone. Hello, Frederick. Hey. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, it's uh, it's January. It means that we all have our you know New Year's resolutions going. Uh-huh. But maybe this is something we will talk about uh, during the episode or maybe in the after show. But we have an episode that revolves completely around you, Frederick. How does it feel? Uh, it feels like an honor because I, I've i been uh, using, like, I've, I've known about the YouTube channel, like Easy Languages, for a long time. And I think it's a great concept. So feels uh, kind of cool to uh, to be in this podcast. <laughs> cool. Uh, this episode is actually going to have three sections. Uh, the first one is going to be about you, who you are. The second one is a, a more generic uh, about the Swedish language, uh, because you are Swedish. We'll come to that in a minute. And the last part is about language learning, because this podcast is all about language learning. Mm-hmm. What do you think if we dive straight into the first section? Yeah, sure. So my first question is, who is Frederick? What is your language story? You know, the subtitle of this podcast is Stories of Language Learning. Uh-huh. So what, what is your story? I guess my, maybe my story started with Spanish in school, but actually I, I wasn't very good at it. I was like average grades and uh, wasn't super into it. And I think it started for real when I, after I finished school and I spent one year in Australia and uh, I was kind of didn't have that much to do, but I thought languages was starting to become interesting and there was a lot of French people at the hostel and I thought maybe I should just try to learn French and I went to the library in Melbourne and I borrowed a, like a textbook for French and I started to learn French and I, you know, tried to get help from the people at the hostel and uh, yeah, I just really liked it and um, when I got back home, I just continued to learn French on my own and uh, Yeah, I think I spent about two years in total. Uh, and I started learning uh, some other languages like on the side. And and then I started with Chinese. And I actually went to take classes in Chinese. And uh, I guess that's how it started. I just became really interested and I thought it was really fun. So one step back, uh, I mentioned that you are Swedish. So I see that you did not mention learning English, for example. <laughs> Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, because it's like you just learn it automatically when growing up, growing up in Sweden. At least to like, a, a, yeah, like to usually to like a quite decent degree. So when I went to Australia, I hadn't really used English a lot, but but I could, you know, use it like quite well because you have it all around you. Swedish is a quite small language, and. Uh, Also, we don't dub anything in Sweden. Like you, you have movies and uh, series. Everything is in English with Swedish subtitles. And also because Swedish is a small language, like on the internet, you don't really have that much in Swedish. Also, Swedish people really like to travel. So we have to use English when we travel. So English is kind of important, actually, uh, for Swedish people. It's kind of the second language. Yeah, I think most people, most Swedish people do have like a functional level of English. Then you mentioned Spanish at school. Did you really learn anything at school? Like the Spanish that you learned there was actually a, a level of language that you could use for daily conversations? I mean, if, if I had been a really good student, maybe. I did it for five years, actually. 
And uh, but I just feel like the methods used in school are pretty shit. So <laughs> to be honest, I'm I'm uh, I'm amazed how these methods can still be like the the standard ones because most people they they can you know introduce themselves, say what they like to do, and order a beer. Pretty much, <laughs> that's what you can do after five years. It's pretty crazy. I think this is a problem that is uh, there worldwide, and uh, may maybe the main issue is that language is a personal experience. Language learning is a personal experience, uh. and when you have one teacher and I don't know twenty pupils, it becomes the opposite. So everyone has to learn the same thing, and you know, have to, they all have to repeat the same thing, and that's not the best way to to learn a language. I think. Yeah, I was talking to like a, a friend, or more like a friend of my. Um my mom uh, who was an english teacher and he started using his his um, his own methods which was he like let his students pick like whatever resources they were interested in and he said well you can spend this like this lesson just like with this like watching youtube or whatever it just had to be in in english and these kind of methods this like approach i think is so much more efficient like you choose what you want to do and And uh, he talked about some girl that who um, hadn't been very good at English before, and he she was just like watching YouTube videos on on his lectures, and uh, when they would have oral exam, it went super well, and he was like, "Wow." <laughs> yeah, this teacher is definitely onto something. I remember as well that my English teacher in middle school used to give me weekly assignments where I uh, had to write one or two pages in English about my favorite topic. Uh -huh. So one week I would write about football, the next week uh -huh. I would write about my favorite uh, uh, music group uh, at the time. Mm. So I think that works really well. This is something we should definitely uh, do, be doing more in the future for our schools. Yeah, for sure. You have mentioned quite a few other languages like French, Chinese, any other that you have learned? Yeah, like so I went to Spain, uh, I went to Barcelona and I <laughs> went was there for a year and and that's when I like properly learned Spanish. I also kind of prepared by listening to podcasts and stuff before. Um, I I really like listening to podcasts. It's like one of my favorite uh, ways to learn. And uh, I was even trying to learn Turkish when I was spent half a year in in Sida in Turkey, but I didn't really reach any uh, higher level. It's because the Easy Turkish uh, podcast wasn't out yet. Exactly. But it's uh, it's been out for a few months now. So if you move now, you will pick up Turkish really fast. This is a really interesting <laughs> language, actually, Turkish. Um, and then I also learned Portuguese when I was in Barcelona because there was I worked in a hostel and there was a lot of Brazilians coming to the hostel and I was thinking it's very similar to Spanish so it shouldn't be so hard and it actually wasn't that hard so and then I lived in Budapest and I was learning Hungarian mm. uh, for a couple of years I also had a, a girlfriend from Czech Republic for a couple of years and I was learning Czech and now right now I'm, uh, I'm uh, learning Russian cool those are the languages that I've been learning quite a few languages and it seems to me that you have learned these languages for different reasons like you have mentioned mm -hmm. uh, experiences in hostels but also a girlfriend and then maybe just regular passion so my question for you is how do you choose 
which language to learn? Yeah, that is a good question because I I think it's it's mostly based on what I what interests me, like what I just feel like. But there's also what's useful because, for example, like when I met my ex girlfriend who uh, who's Czech, I had been learning Russian for uh, for like six months or so, and then. I realized that okay, well, it would make a lot of sense to to learn Czech now instead of Russian because then I can actually you know talk to her parents and and like really learn about her culture and these kind of things. So I just paused Russian and I just started learning Czech. It was a bit hard uh, in the beginning because I didn't feel like as interested in the Czech language as I was in the Russian language. Uh, but after a while, I just found the ways to get interested because I learn more about the culture and I learn more about the language and it became more and more useful to me. So then I just, this like love for this language grew and I still, <laughs> I still really make an effort to, to like maintain uh, the Czech language. And I reached like a decent level, at least when it comes to understanding. So I can maintain it by just using it. Uh, and then I, about one year ago, I started to continue uh, to learn Russian. Yeah, it's always a, a pity to lose those languages that you have started learning. Yeah, that's such a that's such a difficult thing to like maintain a bunch of languages. Eh? Yeah, that's a totally different skill set. You know, maintaining multiple uh, languages. Uh -huh. But you basically took us around the world with your languages. Congratulations! But let's go back home. Let's go back to Sweden. Uh -huh. Why did you decide to teach Swedish? I think it was just because I I had been learning languages for a long time and I've been developing my own methods or or like at least I maybe it's not my own methods, but I kind of learned what works. And I felt like most people don't really know this because that's not how we learn in school. And I felt like I want to try try this like my specific approach because I had a feeling like this this might actually work really well um, and it wouldn't be like that difficult probably because I was thinking okay well I'm just gonna have conversations with people and do it at their level and uh, then you will learn <laughs> which is a very simple concept but it works pretty well and you will just I w I was gonna write down all the new words that we would use and then you can just learn them, practice them and then every time you will just get a little bit better, a little bit better. So you have a website which is called um, SwedishLinguist.com but mm -hmm. especially you have your own podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is? A simple Swedish podcast. Which is very cool. I have to really tell you, honestly, it's a great podcast for uh, learners of uh, Swedish language in general, but it's a great podcast, generally speaking. <laughs> I never miss an episode, and it's basically the only activity I've, I've done in the last couple of years with uh, Swedish, and I love it because the level is just perfect for you know those... Uh, intermediate uh, students, let's say. But also, it's not just about the Swedish language and the Swedish culture. It's also a podcast about personal improvement, isn't it? Yeah, I guess um, because that's just a subject that is very interesting to me and uh, is, has been a big part of my life. Yeah, I just try to make the, like, the kind of podcast that I would want to have if I was learning Swedish because... This is like the the kind of resource that I always look for when I learn languages. 
like podcasts, you know, like a little bit more easy level, not not like beginner stage, but somewhere in between, like you said, like intermediate, because then you can actually follow along and and you can just listen to an interesting topic while you're learning the language, which is pretty much the, I think, is the best way to learn languages, to just use it in a way that is enjoyable to you uh, and is on a good level for you. I think you've hit a sweet spot there because for the beginners, there's plenty of books with audio recordings. There's also a lot of courses online that kind of take you through the beginner stages of learning a new language. And for the advanced languages, there's plenty of actual content from the country where that uh, language is spoken. But for the intermediate level, which is, you know, that plateau where most students find themselves lost, mm -hmm. um, there's not so much. So it was a, a great idea and uh, you're delivering, delivering it perfectly. So we are going to uh, leave the links um, to your website and your podcast in the show notes. It's absolutely recommended. And it is um, a great bridge for me to take you to the second section of this podcast. Okay. Thank you for those words. <laughs> Swedish, this wonderful language. Uh, it's, of course, a Germanic language. So it's basically in the same family as English and German. Not everyone knows that, uh, and this tells you that if you already speak one of those two languages, it's a little bit easier for, for you to also learn Swedish. But it's actually mm. part of a different subfamily. So it's the North Germanic uh, family. So in the same family with Norwegian and Danish. And before learning Swedish, the question that I had in my mind all the time was, if I learned Swedish, would I be able to also understand and talk to people from Norway or Denmark? Uh, did you ever listen to Norwegian or Danish? I've read something and generally speaking, well, now I'm, a, let's say, a B1 uh, in, or intermediate in, in Swedish. Mm. Uh, I could understand most of the words that I find written, but when uh -huh. it comes to uh, listening... Uh, the, that percentage would, would go lower and lower. So how does it really work as a Swedish? For example, I remember when uh, I think in one of the uh, events where we met, uh, there were some uh, other people from Norway and you were speaking to that guy from Norway, mm -hmm. and but you were speaking Swedish and he was speaking Norwegian. Uh -huh. How could you understand each other? Is, are these languages so much intelligible? Yeah, Swedish and Norwegian are very, very similar. They're almost like dialects of the same language, but I guess not really, but they are very similar. It's just uh, when you learn a language, it's much more difficult. I mean, for example, me, um, when learning Czech, you know, difference between Czech and Slovak are pretty much the same as difference between Swedish and Norwegian. So they're like very, very similar. But as a learner, it's always quite difficult because, <laughs> you know, even... Even me for Spanish, if I would speak with someone from Chile and they would use like their Chilean uh, way of speaking, it would be kind of hard for me, even though I can speak Spanish without any issue. But for me, uh, with Norwegian and for Swedish people in general, I would say that most Swedish people could have a conversation in, with a Norwegian person without like too much of an issue. But there's a, kind of like a generational difference. So it seems like older people have it much more easy to like speak with Norwegians and all, even Danish people. I mean, I, I remember I asked my dad once if he speaks English and, or 
Swedish with Danes and he said like yeah well I speak Swedish <laughs> and I was like really <laughs> because young people like a young Swedish person a young Danish person they would most likely speak English with each other but I think it's a bit of a shame because Swedish and Danish are also very similar and the most of the difference is in the pronunciation because written written language is Danish and Norwegian are almost the same so why do we understand Norwegians quite easily, but not the Danes? Is because of uh, the Danish pronunciation, which is really, really <laughs> strange. <laughs> Everyone says that. Everyone says yeah. that Danish pronunciation is funny. So we should definitely have someone from Denmark to uh, kind of explain that to us. But yeah, I find it's um, it's uh, it's a pity that uh, it doesn't work like it used to be in the past, and yeah. it's because of English, because everyone would just use English as the kind of the lingua franca, even for exactly. languages that are very close uh, to each other. Because at the end of the day, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe it's just a matter of being exposed mm -hmm. to the other language. So as a student of Swedish, of course, if I hear Norwegian or Danish, I will have issues trying to understand that. But if you are from Sweden and you have been in that situation already multiple times where you had to have conversations with people from Norway or Denmark, mm. you can you have learned to get along with that. But if everyone just starts speaking English between each other, that gets lost. Exactly. And it's really a pity, right? Because I think if you would, as a Swedish person, you would go to spend just like one month in Norway or Denmark, that would be enough. Like you would just get need to get used to it because... Maybe you need to learn like 50 or 100 new words and then just get used to the the rest of the like smaller differences. Yeah, I love what you what you said. You have to get used to that. That is true uh, for sure in this case, but that is true generally speaking for all languages. I love uh, a quote. You basically don't learn languages. You get used to them. <laughs> Yeah. But you also mentioned that uh, pronunciation is one of the issues and it's one of the most characteristic things about the Swedish language. In particular, there is something that is called sprok melody mm -hmm. that makes Swedish so unique. So what is it? And um, as a student, I think it's one of the hardest uh, things to master. So how do you master that? I yeah I don't really know why it's it's so hard because all languages have intonation and you can learn like to imitate intonation in in uh, different languages it's pretty much the same as you would in, imitate someone's accent like in your mother tongue but the characteristic of Swedish that also exists in some other languages but it's called pitch accent and pitch accent is that every word has a, a tone an accent we call it an accent Every word with more than one syllable has a tone. And uh, you can take the example of tomten and tomten. So you can say the sentence, for example, tomten står på tomten. It means like Santa is standing on the yard. Sometimes it's only the, the accent that differentiates between, between two words, which is a curious detail. <laughs> But uh, I actually... You will never get confused if you say it wrong because um, there has ne will never ever be a case where someone will not understand you because um, you say one accent instead of the other. However, the the stress is much more important. So how you stress a word that can actually make things almost unintelligible if you if you stress it really wrong. So we have all these like phonetic aspects that has to do with 
with melody and rhythm intonation in Swedish that is that is uh, quite characteristic and sometimes quite important also. And it's not something that you can learn from from books. I mean, you can buy a book and learn, you know, how to write this, how to translate that. You will find explanations about the whole phonology of the Swedish language. But as you said, it's not something that you can learn from a book. This mm. is actually something that you have to listen a lot, get used to it, and try to imitate. So it's funny that you say that because uh, I recently mentioned to Rita, my co-host in this podcast, uh, that imitation is the name of the game when it comes to language learning. It's uh, it's the natural process uh, for learning a language. Mm. Uh, babies do that all the time. It's the way they learn a language, isn't it? Yeah, they listen, listen a lot, and then they just like imitate, right? Maybe later in the after show, we will see if I manage to get the Sprook melody right. Uh-huh. But I have one more question about the Swedish language and, you know, um, North Germanic languages in general. And it's about the days of the week. Now, uh, most of the days of the week have names of, you know, planets uh, or gods from past mythology and so on. But there is one specific day, which means something else. And this day is... Saturday. How do you say Saturday in Swedish? Lördag. I love just how it sounds already. And you <laughs> can hear uh, the this pitch accent, no, this melody. Uh, it's like it has two accents, right? One on the first part and one on the second part. Am I right? Yeah, that also depends on the accent, like, your, like where you're from, because this changes all across the country depending on your accent. And I'm from the Western Sweden, Southwestern Gothenburg area. So it has has more like, it sounds like it has two, two like two stress, it's like stress, stress on two syllable. But if you would say it in Stockholm, it would be like Lörda. And I would say Lörda. So there is difference uh, across the country. But in the whole country, it means the same thing Saturday. But what's mm. the etymology of this word? Because it's a little bit weird. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, so apparently in like old Norse, like old Swedish language or old Scandinavian language, there was this word at löga. Löga apparently means to bathe. And apparently they were used to bathe on Saturdays. Uh, so that became uh, the bathe day, like lögardagen. <laughs> and lögardagen turned into lörda. That's the story behind it. That's amazing. Imagine if the whole world called Saturday the washing day or the bath day. <laughs> yeah. Frederick, I think time has come for us to share our language learning tips. So as we've seen, you have learned uh, multiple languages. You're still doing that. I've heard that uh, you are currently uh, mastering Russian. So what's your method? How do you do that? And of course, if you can share some specific tips for our listeners. I think uh, my methodology is very heavily centered around comprehensible input, which is reading and listening to content uh, on your level. So I read and listen to Russian every day. Like I try to find content that is on a suitable level for me, which means that I can follow along usually in, uh, in what's, what I read or what's being said. Uh, so I found like a few podcasts, for example, that are on a, not like native level, but they, they make their language a little bit uh, easier 
like Russian with Max, and I use Link a lot. Um, this is like web tool slash app that the one by made by Stephen Kaufman for reading, I think is great. So I read Harry Potter right now in Russian using that tool. Cool. So I read and listen every day or I try to do every day. And then for speaking, I my favorite thing is to do uh, like online private classes pretty much. I haven't really done it as much as I feel like I should do. Um, but if I would like give you a recipe for what I think is the best way to learn language is lots and lots of comprehensible input and to have conversations with natives every now and then. And But you don't have to do it in the beginning. Actually, I think it's better to just focus on uh, input and understanding the language for a while before you actually start using it. Unless you really like to use it from the beginning because obviously the best method is the method that you will use and that you will enjoy using. So you will do it a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, I love how you summed it up uh, because you talked about input first, but then you did not forget about the output part. So uh, if you combine both and maybe in this uh, sequence, you will get uh, possibly the best results. Of course, everyone mm. is different and it also depends on what kind of learner you are. You might not be surprised because we've talked about this already in the past, uh, but it's pretty much the same methodology that I use as well and that I found that uh, it works really well um, for me too. Um, so comprehensible and compelling input first and then output. Mm. You also said something interesting about the output that you think that the best way uh, to practice output is to actually book lessons with teachers or tutors where you can practice the language, but you don't do that uh, that often. And here I am as well doing the same kind of uh, scene. Um, mm. So how is uh, why is that? Why is it that you don't really practice the language uh, with tutors as much as you think it should be the case? Um, it's probably a combination of time and money and um, just... Um neglect <laughs> uh, I, I don't really have a very good excuse for it but uh, it's just turned out like that but it's on my to-do list for, for this year uh, I'm, I, I set a goal for this year to, to really to get like all the languages I actually have to, to, have, to like have them in a, in a decent conversational level uh, including Russian, including Czech even including Hungarian And Hungarian is like the, the, the hardest one <laughs> out of them. Um, my goal is to have one language lesson, like conversation class per week. That's a cool plan. Uh, in my case, it's also a combination of other factors like laziness, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> also shyness. I'm, uh, even though I'm talkative, I don't really like approaching strangers, telling them, hey, come speak, uh, I don't know. Swedish with me or Russian with me. So I always uh, tend not to do that unless it's a natural situation where you're hanging out uh, in a bar and you happen mm. to meet somebody who is from that country and speaks that language. So uh, I also start practicing that. And you also mentioned Hungarian. Yeah. Well, that reminded me of uh, an episode you made in your podcast about maybe one of the most important tips that you can give to language learners. And it is that... Hungarian uh, taught you not to be a perfectionist. Mm, Can you yeah. expand on that a little bit? 
Yeah, well, Hungarian is a very has very very complex grammar, and also you basically don't get any words for free, which you use, which you usually get in other European languages, because you have a lot of words that like restaurant and it's like the same, and university is almost the same, and police is almost the same. But in Hungarian, you just like you don't get those words for free. <laughs> but most of it, most of it is just that the grammar is really really complex, and it takes a lot a lot of time to learn. I think also it's an example of where only like mostly comprehensible input like wouldn't really work because you also really need to learn the grammar properly because it's so different and that's definitely uh, a language where you actually would need to practice uh, the grammar also but uh, yeah I just realized that I just wouldn't be able to to practice the language if I was trying to do it do it perfectly so I just realized okay i just have to speak bad hungarian otherwise i would just never get any practice so and that was really good for me because because it taught me to kind of relax a bit and not really care too much about being a perfectionist which is really really bad i i mean being a perfectionist when you're trying to practice a language is really really bad because you just need to relax and have fun with it and just like communicate that's how you improve basically yeah this goes back to the school that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode so uh full circle i think this is because uh at school in school they teach you that language is performance you get a mark you get a grade uh. for how well you were speaking spanish or english or french or whatever and instead we should stop thinking about that Uh, language is not performance language is just you know communication so you have to enjoy learning a language you have to enjoy practicing uh, the language and if you make mistakes well then so be it it's a, a natural and necessary step in order to reach you know communicational fluency exactly imagine if we would like grade our children in when they learn our mother their mother tongue you're like oh shit you said this wrong <laughs> yeah that's a that's a great example it's the one that i find uh very fitting <laughs> well i think it's all for the episode thank you very much frederick taxomiken uh now it's time uh for us to say goodbye but also to keep talking in different languages in our after show so for those who support us and you can do so by going Um, on our website easy-languages.org slash podcast for everyone else we'll meet next week thank you so much for for having me Uh, bye bye ciao